Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone, and thank you for listening to the Liverboard Sailing Podcast. I appreciate you tuning in every week. As usual, an extra special thank you to everyone who is supporting the show on Patreon. If you like the show and find it provides value and want to help keep it going, check out the Patreon link in the description. Here's what's coming up next on the Liverboard Sailing Podcast. One thing we always tell people, I mean... We and Sophie and I enjoy ocean sailing, but ocean sailing is hard. Sailing is yeah. hard. Ocean sailing is also very hard. Yeah. Uh, mainly for a lot of mental aspects of also, it. Also physically, I think that a lot of people underestimate how taxing on the body it is to be out there for yeah. days on end. Sailing offshore is very, very tiring. Yeah. So then when you go solo, it's just even, it's more of a mental game. It's more of a physical game. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Annika. On the Liverboard Sailing Podcast, I chat with awesome people who live, work, and travel on their sailboats. My guests share inspiring stories and real-life advice about the lifestyle so that you and I can be better prepared for our sailing adventures. Today, I am chatting with Ryan and Sophie, who are making their second appearance on the podcast. A lot has changed since I chatted to Ryan and Sophie last, so we do a bit of a catch-up and talk about preparing for and enduring a big storm in Bermuda, Ryan's solo Atlantic crossing, their new online course for aspiring sailors, getting a puppy, and more. As I mentioned, a lot has happened. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Here is my chat with Ryan and Sophie. So Ryan and Sophie, welcome back to the show, and it's it's great to have you here. Uh, it's been a long while since we last chatted, and uh, a lot has happened. And I would love to start with one of your more recent 
life updates that's currently sitting on your lap, Sophie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't want to totally derail the show off sailing, but you know, the listeners know that I'm a dog person. So let's talk about Barnacle, your adorable little puppy. <laughs> you want to say hello, Barnacle? <laughs> She's like, nah, I'm ready to pass out, which is a good thing. No, so we get a little puppy uh, three months ago now. Yes, because yeah. he's five months tomorrow. Yeah, this weekend. Yeah, he's getting a big puppy now. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, this is this is our little puppy Barnacle. We love her so much. Maybe you should she's describe great. her because there's no video on this. Uh, she is a tiny little white and beige uh, Maltese poodle mix. Uh, that's very fluffy and very cuddly. With a little pink bow in her hair right yes, now. Yes. <laughs> I was going to point that out because I've seen a lot of photos of her and that little pink bow seems to be there. And it is just the most adorable thing. But, you know, she spent a little bit of time with you on the boat before the winter. And I'm wondering, do you have any highlights or low points of having a, literally a young puppy on a sailboat? Yeah. So I think that having a young puppy on a sailboat is a highlight in itself. Yeah. When we decided to get a dog, we knew that we wanted, we were going to continue our life on board with our puppy. It was very important to us. So we actually chose that puppy based on the lifestyle that we have. We wanted a small dog that would remain small so that the dog wouldn't feel that the environment would be tiny for, um, for them. And then we chose uh, a dog that doesn't have the type of hair that sheds a lot so that it would remain tidy on board. And we chose the timing of when we were going to get that puppy, uh, which was very important because we wanted our dog to spend some time as soon as we get her on board with us. Because th between the age of eight weeks and 16 weeks, puppies are unafraid of anything and so they take in all the new experiences and that was the ideal time for us to um uh, to expose them to everything on board which is uh, in doggy terms called socialization mm -hmm. and so for an entire month when we arrived in the united states and after we get our puppy pornico we spent all of our days exposing her to everything boat uh which was yeah which was fun. It was. It's. It's forever going to be a time that I look back uh, with uh, very fond memories. Obviously, a lot of time went into that decision making, uh, as you describe. You know, picking the time and the size of the breed and and the age of the dogs so of getting a puppy instead of an older one. So that's great. You're clearly, you know made an educated decision, and I wonder if you have come across any good uh, recommendation worthy resources for anyone who's either already sailing with a dog or maybe thinking about getting a dog or taking their existing dog to to a sailboat adventure with them? I think that sadly we're just a little bit too new to uh, dog parenting. This is He's our very first dog and we only had her on board with us for a month. I will say though that we're very, very happy with the timing uh, at which we get our puppy because we spent a month with her on board. And I will not lie, having a brand new puppy on a sailboat is challenging because they need to go potty every hour. Um, and w we can go back to the potty situation uh, on board with, uh, with the puppy. But just the fact that we needed to take her out at every hour and monitor her 
permanently to make sure that she wasn't getting herself into trouble. That was a lot of work. But after a month, we moved back to a house. And so for the rest of her puppyhood, until she is six, seven months, uh, we're land-based, which is nice because we get to, it's much more convenient for us to deal with a puppy. It's much more manageable. And uh, when we come back to the boat, she'll be one, socialized to everything boat, but also she'll be a much more different dog because she'll be an adult uh, and a lot easier to manage. So that's the first thing that I'm really happy we did. Did the first month on the boat to socialize her to everything, to sailing, to the engine, to the party situation, to how small the boat is, to the noises, uh, and then go back to a house before we go back to the boat. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was another thing that I was thinking about. Oh, yeah. And the, the other thing that we did that was amazing was that we were at a marina for the first month. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, so you were in a marina throughout this potty training, right? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Uh, it was, I don't think that we, we, we could have done it on Anchor, but it would have been really difficult. Well, we bought a grass mat that we're going to use with her oh, eventually. A turf. A turf, yeah. Um, but we decided not to do that. How, while we how did that work? For us, the, the it ended up being a chew toy for. Yes. Uh, but we decided not to do that pretty quick and just like just general potty trainer like any other dog would be, and yeah. kind of thinking that we could turf trainer later That's and it would right. make more sense. So. With with her being two pounds when we got her, so she was a tiny little peanut. It was too dangerous for us to um, to have her on the grass mat because he was chewing everything. She was. Pulling those around, little, she was pulling yeah. those little strands. And um, in the first month that we had her, we had to run to the vet twice because she was chewing on something that she should not have chewed on. And it was, mm. it was a bad deal. <laughs> so, um, so instead of, you know, training her to a very strict routine for what she's going to have to do on board, we decided to train her to be very flexible and adaptable to any kind of environment. So we uh, we have taken her everywhere with us in all kinds of carriers, in all kinds of different situations. And uh, the culmination of that is going to be tomorrow when we go on our first transatlantic flight together and go to Europe. Uh, That's very exciting. Yeah, yeah, she definitely has a lot of life experience for such a young puppy. That's right. <laughs> yeah, she has more life experience than I had when I was a kid. <laughs> Some time ago, and I realize now this is actually quite a while ago, but you were in Bermuda. And um, I remember watching that one video, or maybe a couple of videos, when you guys had that big storm over there. And I recommend for anyone to go check out those videos on YouTube because they were quite uh, eye-opening. But for those who haven't seen it, could you maybe describe the conditions that you experienced in Bermuda with that uh, whatever named storm it was? Yeah, it was her, uh, sorry, it was Tropical Storm Alex. It was the first tropical storm of the 2022 year. Um, and it was, we actually found out that this storm was coming as we were transiting between Antigua and Bermuda. We got a, a message from our weather router. You had, Sophie had actually seen some modeling on the weather forecast that we had um, coming to us while we were out in the ocean. It was about a seven day trip, I think. Yeah. There. And um, there was like this, big cyclonic thing coming over us. And it was the start of hurricane season, but it's very rare that they get storms that far north that early in the year. This was 
when was this early June, just after the start. It was like four days after the start. We of were. It was still May when we were sailing. Yeah, the yeah. But the the Bermuda. storm was expected like just after. It was like I think June fourth is about the date that it happened, and. Um, then we get a message from our weather router, Charlie, who, by the way, if you little plug, shameless plug for Charlie, but if you need a good weather router, Charlie's it's not, the man. It's not shameless. We love Charlie. <laughs> He's, He's awesome. Amazing. But he, he sent us this message. He's like, hey, so the rest of your trip looks fine. Um, but I got to tell you about something that's coming. Uh, so there is a storm in the Pacific right now. It's a named hurricane and it's going to cross over Mexico, go into the Gulf, cross over Florida, and then turn and head straight up to Bermuda. And he's like, I don't really think it will happen, but it definitely looks like it could. And we were like, we were just, what? So, you know, we Sophie and I were processing it. And the whole reason we were going to Bermuda was to get away from hurricane, hurricane season. season. Um, and yeah, we we talked about it a little bit, and I was messaging Charlie. I was like, "Hey, man, because our our ultimate goal is to get up to Halifax, up to Nova Scotia." So I said, "What if we just made a a beeline run and just kept pushing on up to um, Nova Scotia?" And he he's like, "Well, you could." He's like, "If you stopped for fuel really quick in Bermuda and then just turned around and left, I think you could make it like six hours before the storm's supposed to get up that way." And we we're like. Uh, and we, we knew a bunch of other people in Bermuda, so we just decided to stay and, you know, hope that the storm, you know, changed or whatever. But nope, it kept on its path. And and it came faster than forecast, too, which was, you know, fun. Yeah, there was a few other friends, some others that had YouTube uh, channels, well, James Ingaro and uh, Sailing Atticus. They were all on anchor with us. So it was the first time we really had prepped for a named storm and... <laughs> It was such a weird atmosphere because we had nowhere to go. We could have gone to Nova Scotia and we could have been hit by the storm on the way. We could not really go to the United States. Well, I couldn't go to the United States because I was still not allowed on the territory. Uh, so we had nowhere to go. So we're like, well, we, we have to be in Bermuda. And you know that this big storm is going to hit you and you're getting ready for it. And at the same time, we were just hanging out with our friends, just, you know, waiting for it to come. And we were actually having a really good time. Yeah. But then we're like, okay, it's 6 p.m. It's it's supposed to start at 7 p.m. And then sure enough, at 7 p.m., it starts hauling out there. And you're like, oh. Bermuda is a weird place if you've never been there. I mean, it's a seven-mile-long island made primarily out of like a uh, it's like a limestone, I think, mm -hmm. uh, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. It's a you know, it's like eight or nine hundred miles off the coast of uh, North Carolina, and it's gorgeous. But once you're inside the reef, inside the island, it's like you kind of forget that you're in the middle of the ocean. Uh, and there's like even areas. They, there's a place they call the lakes, the lakes, um, like the lake area, where it's just little islands within the island. You know. Um, and so there are really good protected areas to keep your boat in the water during a storm. And most people, there's not really good haul out facilities. So most people actually just keep their boats on storm moorings during these things. So we were up in the St. George's Harbor where a lot of the transient boats stay and come through. We were the, not on the storm <clears throat> mooring. No. Um, so there's probably what, like 20 boats up there with us? Well, yeah. The, the first thing is that in... Uh, Bermuda, there are not a lot of marinas and it no. was actually not going to be a good idea for us to be at the dock because with the waves bouncing from the dock, 
and um, and the force of the wind, we could have did we could have done a lot of damage to our boat. So instead of being at the dock or at the marina, uh, we also did not have access to a storm mooring at that time. So that was not an option for us. Our only option was to be on anchor. Mm. So that's what we had to do. And uh, it sounds probably counterproductive when you say, "What? Why would be on? Why would you be on anchor during a, a hurricane?" But it was actually the best option. Yeah, there's about 20 boats, I think, with us, and. I believe all of our insurance stopped covering us for named storms like four days before the, yeah. <laughs> the storm itself. First, so, first of June, be yeah. done. Yeah, so we were all just like, okay. And it was pretty interesting because that morning the storm was coming, everyone was out kind of scouting out where they were going to go. And people did a really good job of just spreading out for the most part. Except that one boat. Yeah. Um, so we, we everybody spread out and we just dumped a lot of chain out and made sure the anchor was in and just rode the thing out it was it was pretty uncomfortable I think we got winds up to like 55 knots i think yeah. so it wasn't a full hurricane but it was it was enough and it lasted for about what 24 hours yeah, yeah. The, the thing is before it hits you you never know how bad it's going to be it can potentially be better than you expect but it can also be worse and you have no choice because this is where you are and there is nothing else that you can do and it's coming no matter no matter what you do uh, so it started, as I said, at, at 7 p.m., the wind started hauling, and we knew that it was going to get bad. Because from 7 p.m. until 3 a.m. in the morning, it was still like in the 20, 20 knots, which is fine. You know, it's not comfortable on anchor. It sounds a lot, but you can you can do it. But at 3 a.m., it started, it started going above 30 knots, and that's when you get in that zone when you really, you have to monitor your anchor now. And I had, uh, God bless Ray Marine, uh, because I had the ability to take the tablet with all of our instruments in the, in bed with me. Ryan was like, no, I'm not going to bed. I am sleeping in the cabin. I'm like, it's not going to do anything. Uh, in the bed, we can have the instruments too because we have the tablet. And so I have this. I had this little nav station with me all through the night. And then at three a.m., the wind woke me up, and I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, it's really blowing." And I think we woke up around six thirty, seven a.m. And I have this vision, this memory of opening the hatch to go in the cockpit when the winds were starting to blow in the forties. And I felt like we were on another planet. The, the vision of the wind just blasting the waves because now we had the waves on anchor and the sun that was trying to pierce through a very thick layer of clouds. And it wasn't fog, but it was very dense humidity. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah. Oh, good time. That was yeah. a short. <laughs> you, you looked like a roller coaster ride on the videos and it sounds just really stressful just being up and you know watching the anchor alarms or the worst part i think which we didn't realize until after it was over is there's like this relentless sound that doesn't stop and it's just loud this howling of the wind it's so loud and after the storm like pat it was really weird because like within an hour or two after kind of everything had passed everything was just calm it was bright like sunny, sunny like the sea water like the water was getting flat it was just so weird like by the time the sun set the next day everything was fine like nothing yeah. happened we were exhausted um, had like a salt crust in our hair that um was weird so uh but we called my mom just to tell her we were okay and i think sophie looked over at me and she's like you have to hang up 
And I realized when she said that, like, yes, I have to egg up. And it was just, we were so overstimulated by sound because that sound was just, you know, imagine that for like 24 hours. It was, we just needed to sit and quiet and like, (laughs) let the brain recalibrate what normal is. So, um, that, that was like, I think that was like the weirdest part that we realized after it was all kind of said and done, but we were okay. Everybody was good. Yeah, I was going to ask, like you said, there were about 20 boats uh, in the vicinity. Like, did everybody fare fairly well and prepare? Yeah, there was Sailing Atticus. They have a video as well. Uh, They dragged during the storm, but they had had three crew members on board. So they were able to, they, it was, (laughs) they reset the anchor just before the winds really picked up. So they got a bit lucky. But then there was the Spirit of Bermuda, which is a a tall ship. Uh, wooden tall ship there and they were dragging and that was a little bit more of a an issue because they were dragging into a large catamaran um, and like them resetting the anchors a little bit more of a process so but they managed to do that there was one boat that was out sailing um, that came in after the storm uh, and their sails were just shredded i mean the whole top side of the boat was just shredded but they were okay and i think one of the crew member left their boat because well um yeah tell that story it's fun (laughs) no i won't tell the whole story but uh what the was a young crew member that had hitched a ride with an older couple gentlemen that were sailing and he apparently the older guys were like well we had a good life (laughs) and the kid was like what (laughs) like i'm not ready to die (laughs) we gotta fight we gotta fight for this Oh, man, I can't imagine being out in the ocean in that weather. Like, it must have been insane, no matter what size of a boat you have. You saw the waves in the video. You think about the swell and the waves that you're going to have. Oh, it would just not be nice. No. So. It was, no. Uh, yeah, no. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad it worked out okay. Not to stay on this too long, but I do have a friend that flies for the air force hurricane hunters so they go up and fly through the storms and take the measurements and he actually flew through alex just before it hit bermuda so he sent me a text message and gave me an update on the winds and just said good luck and i was like okay <laughs> My dream, thanks <laughs> oh man that's scary what's that i guess that was at least based on your videos like one of the biggest thing uh, storms that you faced so far yeah yeah. yeah. Well, we usually try to stay away from the sea when it's stormy. <laughs> this time we just didn't really have a choice. Yeah, yeah, there the storm just found you. <laughs> yeah. Even in Bermuda, so yeah. Sometimes that happens, I guess. <laughs> it does. You know, when you do it long enough, eventually you're going to get caught in some weather and uh, it's just one of the realities of the lifestyle yeah. it yeah. had been four years since we were doing it so it was actually our fourth year anniversary on the day that the storm hit so you know four years <laughs> you know four years full time one storm that's a pretty good that's ratio good. yeah yeah and now we can wait another four years for the next one right right <laughs> easy <laughs> yeah sounds legit <laughs> hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, we were talking uh, at the beginning at how a lot has happened um, with you guys as we last talked. And one of the things is a course that you have created. So first of all, congrats on making and launching the course. It looks absolutely fabulous. And yes. for those who have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, so you have recently launched the, the course called Sailing the World. Um, and who would you say the course is for? What's like a quick intro to the course? So the course is for people who were like us seven years ago, right? When we get started, we knew nothing about sailing. We didn't know what the different parts of a sailboat was. Uh, we didn't know how we were going to get from zero to you know, buying our own boat, equipping the boat, and start navigating um, in international waters. And so you, know, you, you can take a course, you can go to the AirYA or the ASA, but it's just going to teach you to handle a sailboat. It's probably not going to teach you how to buy it, where to go to buy a boat, what are good resources when you're looking at buying brand new or buying used. Uh, it's not going to teach you how to clear customs when you enter a new country. It's certainly not going to teach you how to budget uh, or give you an idea of what this lifestyle can cost. It may teach you a little bit about seasickness because sometimes when you're a newbie, <laughs> that's what happens. Uh, so we... I always wanted to create a resource for people who were like us seven years ago, who started from scratch and just wanted a good overview of what it takes to, uh, to start a sailing adventure, even though you know nothing about sailing and put all of the resources that we found useful back then, but also the ones that we learned about uh, in the last seven years. Um, and f especially the, the four years that we've been doing this full time. So um, we partnered with a company called Bright Trip which is uh, the master class of uh, travel, culture, and adventure. Uh, they specialize in high production quality courses. courses yep. And uh, they contacted us a year ago, over a year ago, actually. And we're like, hey, guys, would you be interested in doing a course? And we're like, yes, we were actually thinking about it. We just didn't have the production resources to develop it because uh, there was a team of 10 people working on it. So anyways, that's the gist of it. It's great. It's launched. <laughs> <laughs> it's out there. This is fantastic. Yeah, I've uh, seen the content. And like I said, it looks just great. And I have to say, like, I've uh, done some reading on uh, the ASA course books uh, in just, you know, out of general interest. I haven't done the ASA courses, but I've seen the course books and tried to read them, like, in anticipation of a sailing trip that I did. And comparing that to the videos that you have made like the difference is huge because you actually have beautiful graphics that are animated um, or videos that have like, you know, little um, taglines explaining what things are. They are so helpful. Those moving graphics. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> well done. I know. 
And it's, it's because, you know, um, with animation and with video, you can teach in a way that a book cannot, like, doesn't allow you to, uh, to teach. So we animated the lines to show, okay, what is it that a, an outhole does? What's the difference between an inferl mast and uh, a regular stack pack or an in-boom furler? Uh, what are the different types of keels and what do they do? How do they look? Um, and you can do those things with the animation. Now, the one thing that I wish I had seven years ago, for the first season, I couldn't make the difference between tacking and jibing when I was out there. I did not understand. I'm like, the wind is coming from somewhere. I don't know. Like, am I tacking? Am I jibing? What am I doing? And uh, the thing that we were able to do with this course is to overlay a boat, the direction of the wind, with the angles of the wind. And so now you can understand by looking at the instrument that you're tacking or chiming. And for anyone who's listening to this podcast and knows sailing, it probably sounds obvious. But for me, <laughs> seven years ago, it was not. No, look, there's a lot of people listening who are exactly in the same boat as I am, as in not on a boat yet and hoping to be on a boat. So <laughs> no, that, that's perfect. And uh, yeah, I definitely had some, you know, light bulbs went on uh, as I was going through. It was like, oh, like, you know, things that I've done on a sailboat before, like you said, tacking and driving and reefing and all. But now they're actually seeing it on on the screen, I was like, oh, yeah, now I actually understand it. Like, sure, I can do it. But now I actually understand why I'm doing it. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and I was so happy that we could do it. And I think that the Bright Trip team has done a really good job at putting it in visual. So uh, mm -hmm. ah, we're so happy with it. It's actually going to come. So we launched the first part. It's going to be in three parts. So the first part's more about the boat itself, like how boats work how to, the basics of sailing a boat, terminology, how to equip a boat, um, some of the gear that we have on the boat. And that part just launched. Uh, and then we have parts two and three that are already filmed. Uh, we just need to produce them and edit them. Uh, and the second part is about choosing your cruising destination and how to get there. So like navigation and how to read a chart and how we pick where we're going to go and some seasonality pieces. And then the third part, part which will come out after is more of the lifestyle um so a lot of lifestyle questions so it kind of covers all the different facets that we ran into getting going and answers it informs people of a lot of things we didn't know about <laughs> before we got going and then found out we didn't know them and then had to like, know them <laughs> how hard is this is actually this lifestyle on a relationship yeah yeah no exactly but that's actually a really good call to kind of make different segments because it is far less overwhelming when you can just do it a little by little, you know, just get the basics. Like, okay, I'm done with that. I'm ready for the next one rather than getting like a full catalog of, okay, sit there for a week and listen to or watch all these videos. <laughs> well, we also have, we also have people that have come to us and said, Hey, like I have a sailboat I know how to sail. We've got it all equipped, but what is it like when you leave? Like there's a bit, there is a big difference between just going out on a weekend for a few hours, uh, you know, with your family versus actually leaving the dock. And what is that? And uh, there even, it can be overwhelming for some people. We found out even with lots of sa sailing experience, just that whole leaving the dock piece. So um, that's another thing. Cause if you, if you already have those skills, you can kind of skip that part and it's a, it's a separate thing. So just go on to the next.
Yeah. Oh, that's that's very true. But it definitely looks like it was a lot of work. And you showed a little bit of the process on YouTube as well. Uh, that was a really fun look at it, sort of behind the scenes of you guys filming it in Bermuda. Was it actually more work than you anticipated going oh, into it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we started in December of 2021. So, and we wanted the we wanted to film initially in April. We ended up I ended up writing 400 pages of script, which, you know, just that uh I, I and I didn't do it alone. We were two writers involved in that process. Me and uh, Michelle Segrest, who's also a sailor and cruiser. And then um you know, we we thought that initially we booked shooting for three days. We we're like, okay, <laughs> little did we know, <laughs> you guys, it's a boat. Three days is probably not flexible enough. Come for a week, and then we'll have the time to take the boat out, get some good B-roll. Uh, yeah, the week flew by, and we still had like a couple of chapters that we needed to film. So we asked our director if he could come join us in Bermuda again in the summer so that we could film the rest. And he was with us for another week <laughs> in Bermuda. And then and it was like full time filming. It was, it was yes. sun up to sundown. We just filmed constantly. Uh, so they were actually very hard days on you and I, so but hot. we were just, it was hot and we're trying to film and there's sweat coming down her face. And like the toilet paper is leaving little traces on her face. <laughs> uh, wonderful. It, it cost we, blood. Yeah, yeah. Blood our director fell on the dock and we, there's still blood on the dock in Bermuda. <laughs> so there was actually blood shed for this course. <laughs> right, right. At least blood and sweat, maybe not the tears, but uh, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> but I think that the biggest challenge came during the post-production because we did not edit the course ourselves uh, because we, uh, you know, we're committed to other uh, other things. And that's why we needed that team with us to produce the course, because we just do not have the, um, the bandwidth to edit it. And also, not the skills. They are way better uh, at editing than we are. And the animations. And, and the animation yeah. and the color grading and the audio, etc. Um, but the thing is that the team who edited the course, they're not sailors. And for us to uh, teach them you know, what a boat is, how it works, and uh, coordinate all those very technical parts with them. That was the big challenge. And uh, it took a lot of teamwork uh, from everybody. I think they could be sailors now. They, I think they are. <laughs> I think I think they are. They did, an, they did a very impressive uh, job. So, uh, so yeah, the post-production took us five months, you know, <laughs> and we still have two parts to edit, which is... Other 27 videos, I believe. Mm. It's huge. Wow. So we're not even, or you guys are not even halfway yet. So you'll have lots yeah. of fun, fun to come. <laughs> yeah. It's well, not over. Oh, it's not over. Well, that that's all right. That will keep you busy for sure. Um, another sort of big event that has fit into the last year and a bit was uh, your solo sail, Ryan, across the Atlantic and um, also documented well on YouTube. And um, now that you had time to reflect on it for over a year, I think now, um, looking back, did that experience sort of scratch the itch for you? Or are you still dreaming of future solo sail adventures? I don't know about solo sail adventures. Um, 
but it doesn't scratch. It just intensifies the adventure itch. <laughs> it doesn't need to be solo. I've always been a big adventurer doing crazy things uh, and trying to set big goals. That was one that we weren't planning on necessarily doing. Uh, it just kind of fell in the, it just fell in our way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, time does things to memories and feelings, uh, you know, just reflecting on it, I guess. Uh, it was a hard trip for a lot of reasons when it went on. Um, and now, you know, it's like you look back on it. And in a lot of ways, it was some of the hardest things that I've went through and Sophie and I went through. But then in, in some other ways, it was some of the best times that I've had out sailing. Um, and, you know, at the same time, right now, the OGR, the big solo sail race is going on around the world. And I'm thinking about those guys that are out there, guys and gals um, that are out there and what they're going through mentally right now. And, you know, of the what 16 boats that started, I think there's only six left <laughs> that are actually in the, the full solo race. So. It's a, it's a really hard thing to do. I'm not sure that that would be my thing I'd want to do again. I don't know if Sophie would support that either. <laughs> but um, do, you, do you read between the, the silence here? <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of other things to do than solo sailing. and uh, But I think there's still some big adventures to come. It's just how those, those are. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What about you, Sophie? Have you ever had the desire to go do a solo sail of any length? No, absolutely not. Uh, for me, most a big part of the joy that I take into sailing and reaching new destinations and adventure is sharing it with people uh, and sharing it with uh, people I like and having a good time with them, uh, like the good extrovert that I am. Uh, so no, it would never occur to me to uh, to do something solo. I think that if I I could do it, but it would be more out of circumstances than out of sheer curiosity. I, I have no interest. Yeah. It was a good learning Like it was a really good learning thing for like on a lot of levels, like a social level, a personal level, and just a sailing level. Um, so I learned so much in those. Well, it was about a, what was it? Like a month and a half total by mm -hmm. the time I got from point A to point B. Um, so in that respect, I'm glad I did it because I just, like there's just so many things that were learned in that we learned a lot about ourselves, Sophie and I. Um, so yeah, it was good. I, like I'm glad I did it, but there's other things to do now. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's certain sort of romantic view of the whole thing of going out in the ocean by yourself, but now having you seen, you know, you had the. Um, incidents with the the refugee boats that you came across and you mentioned the race that's going on now and i've just obviously followed the the finnish guy uh, being from finland myself uh who was rescued off whose boats just sank in a matter of minutes it sounded like and his rescue so there's certainly you know a lot of risks in that uh those kind of um endeavors as well i mean it's, it's an adventure for a reason it's it's you know it's uh looking back on it and it's the same thing with the ogr right now uh or sorry the ggr um using the wrong term here uh the it, social media because you can condense an entire two week two month thing into a 45 minute video i think makes a lot of people think that it is maybe easier than it is even if you're showing the hard parts they're like oh well that was just a couple minutes like 
but to really put your mind around all of that time that's that's in there is very it's a very difficult thing to do and i one thing we always tell people i mean we and sophie and i enjoy ocean sailing but ocean sailing is hard sailing is yeah. hard ocean sailing is also very hard yeah uh, mainly for a lot of mental aspects of also it. physically i think that a lot of people underestimate how taxing on the body it is to be out there for yeah. days on end sailing offshore is very very tiring yeah so then when you go solo it's just even it's more of a mental game it's more of a physical game i, I remember there was one night just when i was leaving cape verde by myself it just whenever you leave cape verde it's always there's just wind constantly there even if there's not forecast it's always wind <laughs> there and i remember like within the first few hours i had reefed and shaked out the reef like three times and i was getting so exhausted sitting in the cockpit and finally i said to myself you know what i cannot physically do this like i cannot keep this up physically and it's just like the first six hours of a very long trip so i told i said to myself you know what I'm leaving the sails down because I know the wind's going to come back and I'm just going to hold the course. And if the boat goes north, if it goes south, don't care. And I sent my weather router a note and I was like, listen, if my course is just like all over the place, it's because I'm tired and I just have to let it <laughs> do its thing. And I wasn't like prepared for that either, but it's hard. Like, and if you, you don't get that with those videos and it's the same with the GGR guys. Um, Cause I can appreciate that a lot more that, somebody would leave France and quit by the time they're in, you know, they don't even get through one ocean. They get to the, you know, um, the, the tip of Africa. It's lonely. It's hard. Like you're out there for days and you find out that you're only a third the way <laughs> by the time you get there, you know? So um, I get it, but yeah, I, it was an experience. Don't know if we need to do it again. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I'm glad you recorded it all for uh, on YouTube for for all of us to see. So those are really good videos as well. So thanks for documenting uh, your journey yeah. uh, on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sophie was proud of that for many reasons. Yeah, I <laughs> I'm not usually the one that picks up the camera. So. Well, exactly, exactly. So it was a learning journey and, and you know, a lot going on there uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, Sophie, you referenced earlier that when you were in Bermuda that you couldn't go to the U.S. and uh, now you actually can. You're in the U.S. as we speak, finally, after, I don't know, it seems like years of a bureaucratic nightmare, uh, you finally can be in it the States. four so, years. Wow, four years. So I bet you are excited to explore that continent uh, a little bit. <laughs> so what are your future sailing plans? Can you tell me a little bit of those? So we are actually heading north this year, this season. Uh, right now, all of our friends are sailing the Caribbean because that is the season you do that. December, January, February, it's peak Caribbean season. Uh, but we decided that we wanted to go explore Canada. Uh, for the backstory, it's, <laughs> it's going to be the third time that we tried to make it to Canada. We tried in 2020. We tried in 2021. We tried this year. Uh, and every time something happens. So we hope that fourth time is a charm. <laughs> so uh, in March, we're going to go back to Polisil. We're going to do a little refit of the boat because uh, it's been two years since he had been on the hard and there are a lot of things that need to happen. So we have a big refit plan for the spring. Uh, and once we're done with that, we're going to start heading north through New York and the canals all the way to Lake Ontario, where maybe... Uh, no, you're in Ottawa, so yeah. that's, uh, that's a little farther away. Yeah, a little um, bit. It's sort of on the St. Lawrence. It's not too far away. 
Yeah, uh, but we're going to exit uh, through the St. Lawrence. So we're going to go back to the Atlantic Ocean through the St. Lawrence. Ryan yesterday was like, we could go to Greenland. I'm like, ah. <laughs> Just a quick one up and back. <laughs> that's, a bit, that's a bit ambitious. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll to- a lot of Canadians who are on the East Coast, it's kind of just the thing they do. Like, it's not a big deal. I mean, it is, but, you know, it's like, it's so close. If you're like in Halifax, Newfoundland, that area is like, oh, just going to go to Greenland for the summer, come back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that for us, it's a timing thing, though, because we're going to start heading up the New York canals in May. And we're, and we want to have a little bit of time to explore Lake Ontario and Thousand Islands. And, you know, I love Quebec. So I really am excited to uh, spend some time in Quebec. Uh, and we want to go back to Nova Scotia because somehow last year we still managed to end up there. Just we flew to Nova Scotia, uh, and it was gorgeous. And oh, and I'm so excited to uh, to go back. Yeah, uh, sailing is, sailing in that area is really nice. Uh, although I haven't technically been to Nova Scotia, I was sailing in Maine last summer, and it's just gorgeous. Mm. Just island hopping over there. Yes. It's yeah. really nice. Yeah, super nice. Um, although I know you guys have a bit of a history with Canadian geese, so you do know that there's a lot of them here, right? I know. Um, <laughs> Mentally ready? I don't know what we're going to do about that. I have to that, get some geese spray. <laughs> I think I think I'm just going to get you one of those uh, like horns, like the like blue. A, uh, like uh, a, uh, uh. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say you have a dog, but I don't know how useful Barnacle will be. Ooh, barnacle yeah, I mean, wants to make friends with everybody. That's the problem. Oh the Canadian God. geese don't. They just don't. Yeah. They don't want to make we, friends. Uh, we train, we're, we're training our, our dog formally. Like our uh, barnacle goes to uh, training classes twice a week and she's doing great. And the, the joke, the joke is that uh, we're training barnacle to become a polar bear hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's our little polar bear hunter. And uh, I mean, look at that scary polar bear hunter. <laughs> oh my God. So scary. Yeah. She's That's where about you get the size of the, the paw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even the even the, the the polar bear cubs are bigger than her, like ten times her. 10 yeah. Times <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I look forward to seeing how Barnacle handles the geese and all the other Canadian wildlife that you might come across. But um, so you obviously are on all the platforms as Ryan and Sophie sailing. Uh, but where can people go find the course? Oh, uh, so you can go to brighttrip.com slash sailing, or you can go to our website. In the menu, there is a button that says sailing course. Um, or yeah. you can go to the description of this podcast and click on the link. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That'll be there too. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, Ryan and Sophie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me again this morning. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you so much, Annika. It was awesome. I hope you enjoyed this episode and the conversation with Ryan and Sophie. As I mentioned, I've put all the relevant links in the description and on the website, which you can find at liverbirdsailingpodcast.com. You are also more than welcome to come say hi on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for the podcast name and there I'll be. Next week, it's time for new adventures and a new topic. So I will see you then. Bye for now. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.